The Say Something Podcast is brought to you by a AmomentWithMorris.com and BlackBlueprints.com. That's BlackBlueprints with a Z.com. I'm Jermaine Morris here with the one and only Mr. Barry Axius. Yes, sir. We are bringing you the newest episode of the Say Something Podcast. Say something, say something, say something. As always, where we talk about everything going on out here in the life, out here in the world, and the traffic out here in these streets. In these cold, cold, cold streets. Very, very cold as we're bringing you episode number 85. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Throwback to Oaktown 357. Hi, how you know? <laughs> as always, like to highlight somebody that, that we think is important as we make sure that we're responsible for telling our own stories and, and speaking on our own narrative and our own truth and not letting that be done for us. And so this is a gentleman from your neck of the woods. Okay. From uh, Queens, New York. All right. Uh, born in 1960. He's still with us. I was... Born in Brooklyn, but New I York, said New neck York. of the woods, in New York, New York's wood is good. Yeah, uh, did a lot of work in in the arts by way of uh, documentaries, movies, TV, music, uh, even uh, businesses, website stuff. He was uh, he went to the university, he went to Adelphi University on Long Island to study graphic design. Uh, he ultimately got a, a BFA in 1984 and then an honorary doctorate in 2013. Um, He's most noted for being a, a major pioneer for the, the conscious music, the conscious movement of hip-hop music in the 80s. Uh, like, when you start thinking about that era, you can't get too many names down the list before you get to him and, and what he was a part of. And from a, a, at his time at Adelphi, he met a gentleman when he got to school there that then they partnered up and, and continued to, to work together. After a demo tape that they created got in the hands of uh, Rick Rubin if you're familiar with hip hop heads you know who he is he quickly got the demo over and got them signed to, to Def Jam Records dropping albums like Yo Bum Rush the Show It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back Fear of a Black Planet as well as doing the soundtrack to the movie uh, He Got Game mm. a list of artists that he's worked with from Janet Jackson to Run DMC to Rage Against the Machine to John Mellencamp to George Clinton. Uh, when you start talking about the the face of a movement of the the, the the conscious movement at the time, and to really voicing your opinion and wanting to be heard, after music he got involved in in business and starting a website which launched in uh, 1999, which really focused on original content and giving more control to artists when it pertains to where they want their music to be moved. Uh, very outspoken on the ownership and, and the content that the artists put out about making sure that you are responsible for what you're saying and that you may be held accountable to the words that come out of your mouth. Uh, he started a, a secondary group later in life, more recently touring with, called the Prophets of Rage, which features him, some members of his original group, Be Real from <coughs> Cypress Hill, and the uh, band Rage Against the Machine. Though Prophets of Rage is some, you might see touring and festivals right now. Mo he's most notably connected to the original group he was running, which, which was Public Enemy. He was born Carlton Douglas Rittenhauer, but most folks know him as a, give it up one time, for Mr. Chuck D. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Chuck D did a lot for the cause. Oh, man, he was, uh, he was my soundtrack when I was coming up. Back in the day, yeah. After James Brown, "Say It Loud," 
next up is Public Enemy Fight the Power. Yeah, and um, the funny part about it, a lot of white kids used to love Public Enemy. Still, still is that like the they toured colleges heavy. Yeah, it was that was big. I mean, and uh, yeah, that was that was their core fan base. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, um, some of the stuff I remember. One of my favorite albums was Fear of a Black Planet. Um, of course, um, it takes an, uh, a nation a million to hold us back. Um, there was just, you know, one of my all time favorite songs and videos, Night of the Living Bass Heads. Uh, Bass, how low can you go? Who would have ever known that um, <laughs> that song was really dedicated to Flavor Flav struggle? But, you know, we can talk about that on a different Such is life. Such is life. But, I mean, one of the most iconic groups, and I don't think Chuck D, for his lyricism, um, gets that much credit, you know, because I saw a controversial, uh, controversial all-time greatest uh, hip-hop artist yeah. come out, and I'll just say, for the sake of the culture, regardless of what it is, because we have more deeper things to discuss, but just have to knock this out one time. If Drake is not on the top fifty, that list for MCs with some of the guys that had. On that list, if Drake ain't on it, I mean, I'm a Drake guy, and regardless of how folks want to kind of throw him and disrespect him, at the end of the day, Drake is one of the uh, the best. At least he's top fifty. I would definitely take Drake's his um, you know, majority of work over someone like Young Jeezy. You know what I mean? And that was one of the people on the list. I mean, the list was yeah. crazy. Tupac was somewhere far off, and Joe Button's was high up there. Though Joe Button was lyricist, uh, as, a, as a dope lyricist, I just think that whole, whoever created that whole fucking list is smoking Well, I know the, the Source Awards that did the top hip-hop artist, lyricist of all time, has checked you ranked as number 12. I don't, so. think, I don't think that this one had it. I don't know what the source of it, but it's going around, um, you know, the internet and things that not that nature. I, yeah, I people are prisoners at the moment. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they just come out with whomever. I, I, you know, I just it's just like, come on, dude. Like he don't yeah. make the top fifty. You know what I mean? And there were some guys that on there were like, mm. I, you know, there, and there were some guys on there that were surprised that they would recognize it. But you know, if you're not putting the dude Drake, regardless of what it is, in a top fifty hip hop artist, you guys are smoking crack. Okay. <laughs> I'm a Drake guy. I, I get it. I mean, and I, I want to be light before we get heavy. So we're gonna go into go into some lightness of here or something. Well, that's why because you think, know just the hater part of it all. That's what I come to. Not a problem. I think artists like Chuck D for his era, where you're speaking on things about people who are about problems with drugs, about police brutality, about the the issues of systemic oppression that happens. A voice that he not only had the capability to do it but saw the need and the necessity for it to be done that somebody that and even when he wasn't you know the guy you know whose songs weren't circulating on the radio or, or people weren't looking to their group as the go-to group he still kept putting that on the younger artists coming out that you do have a responsibility to speak on these things that are happening and when you see these atrocities happening, these injustices happening, these things going on in the streets, going on in the households, going on in the country, that sitting silent is is complicit to the to the problem. You complicit to the crime. And yeah. so we're, we're in an era now where we have a, a lot of artists who do not speak on the things that are happening, who do not address the problems and, and situations that we have currently going on in the country. Because reality is, we have a lot of problems. Free, free ASAP Rocky. 
you know, he out now. Well, yeah. yeah welcome yeah. home, ASAP Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He out now. And I think that you know when you talk about that, um, ASAP Rocky's, it's kind of a, a a funny situation that he kind of embarks himself in, right? Nothing funny about the situation because he was locked up in Sweden. He was able to um, get out after he um, was put on trial, and um, you know he was acquitted of, I, I guess, of the charges. But the unfortunate thing about how reality becomes your truth as being a black man and thinking that he has the finer things in life because he's an artist and he has no responsibility where other artists in the past felt like they had all the responsibility to speak upon the injustices as well as discuss what's going on currently. ASAP Rocky kind of denounced all of the Black Lives movement momentum by saying, Am I like Martin Luther King that everything time something happens to a black person, I got to speak on it or feel like I have to kind of move and basically said that I'm getting money. I'm, you know, I'm fucking model chicks and I'm, I'm, I'm living a, the black man's dream while the rest of you black niggas are going through Holocaust. That ain't my problem. So him going, um, being locked up in a Sweden jail was almost kind of like, be careful what you uh, 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 wish and but be careful who you denounce in the community that's fighting for you, though you have not uh, been a part of some of the marches and movements. It was almost like, I told you so, Negro, you're still a Negro. And folks really was denouncing and saying, well, you know, A-Side Rocky, remember what you said? Good luck for you. So it kind of is those two evils of this situation when you look at damned if you do, damned if you don't. At one point, ASAP Rocky said he ain't stepping up. But in another angle, two mothers in Chicago, activists, were gunned down in the same community that they were activating their activism. In the same gang-ridden community, they spoke truth to power and they spoke up against the violence and they were gunned down. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's... And shots out to those brave sisters. And as we go into even more... Of what our topic is going to be for t for today, you look at the stuff that's continuously happening in Chicago, the stuff that's happening here, and folks like these two brave women that decided to step up and say something and do something. As you know, um, being with me in the forefront of some of these violence in this community, Sacramento, to hear that it hurts my heart. But then also to see why guys like ASAP Rocky feel like. This ain't my problem. I kind of understand both sides. Yeah, it, it's there are those people who, in most cases, most people feel like I'm responsible for my four walls. Like all those things that are going on out there, you know, I'm gonna take care of my kids. I'm, I'm gonna make sure there's food in my refrigerator, and and, and I'm gonna mind my business. I'm, I'm just gonna get out the way and let those problems out there let if, if they did if everybody did the same thing if everybody worried about themselves the problems would go away there are a lot of people who are of that mindset and then you got the others who were like no you know that these are things that need to be addressed and sometimes you know being the sacrificial lamb you are the catalyst for the change that happens you laying it all on the line is sometimes what gets people up and gets people moving and, and being that consistent voice is what gets folks you know charged up and, and gets them doing something and and for the two for the two women and and i, I their names escape me and I, I apologize for that 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 passed away while fighting for people 
who <laughs> really weren't fighting who wasn't fighting for themselves nah. you know and fighting for others you know and, and it cost them their lives to do it you know is we have a lot of just senseless senseless acts of violence that happen in this country every day like it, it is the norm you know people like to use chicago as uh, ground zero for you know, quote unquote, black on black violence. Whenever he wants to reference to the issues amongst black uh, Americans, here is well, what about Chicago? What about the violence in Chicago? What about the shooting in Chicago? We got more than enough shootings that go across this country that do not involve people who've ever been to Illinois. You know, we've got more than enough problems that need to be spoke on and dealt with and, and light shined on that people who. who who don't know nothing about Shot <laughs> Town. Yeah. Ain't never never been to a Cubs game. Don't like the Bears. Don't like the White Sox. Like they ain't never been in that that part of the country. And when we have these things going on, yes, when you really want to be outspoken, and yes, when you really want to grab the bull by the horns and really address some issues, you do put yourself in harm's way. And that's why I have to sit there and say the campaign has started today. What's that? Free Barry Axius from Facebook jail. We'll give you a file and just start working on the bar. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, you know, I've been speaking on white supremacy, white domestic terrorism before it became the subject matter for years on Facebook. I would probably say in 2013 was really when I was really um, energized with my rhetoric on Facebook, when Facebook was a lot more genuine, was a lot more real. And as I've constantly moved with my, it's not, I, 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 rhetoric wouldn't be the word I should say. The truth that is unspoken and I'm very outspoken about it has been what I will say, what I brought. And this is not some fantasy island that I'm speaking from. I'm speaking from a reality base, especially from a black male living in America and from history standpoints to our current day. And I think that eventually as you become um, bigger and brighter and those words or pictures that now Facebook deem is inappropriate, they put you to Facebook jail. And I ain't never been, even though I've continually said the same shit. And so I'm like, why y'all messing with me now? So I got um, twice I was dinged on a post, right? And then today <laughs> I was finally dinged two more times and said, they're going to put me on timeout. Yeah. So I'm currently in Facebook jail. The movement of Freeberry Axius, Mr. Unapologetically Black, because he was speaking unapologetic truth about white supremacy and white domestic terrorism, is going on right now, currently, man. I need y'all to, to holla at what's that guy's name? Who's who's Zuckerberg? Zuckerberg, all his goons. Free the boy, man. Free Barry Axis. I ain't never been to jail since Juvenile Hall, man. So I'm, I'm, a, Look, I'm a good black man. That's why it's important when we even starting off the top of the podcast about it, addressing, you know, who we need to highlight and then being control of, of our own narrative, narrative and our yes. own information when we're realistically victim to the whims of them, they, powers that be, those entities that we use as a conduit to, to share what it is that we want to share. Um, we, Whenever they feel like cutting the water off, they can cut it off. Every you know? time. Yeah, and that's why it's important that we establish things to where we have our own channels and we find our own ways to communicate and and, and own the content, own the <clears> stuff that, that, you know, uh, these podcasts we have. We can load these up to anything, anywhere, anytime, or, or just 
put them on, plug them into the phone, and blast them through the car window, drive them through the neighborhood. Yeah. Like whatever is necessary. It's, it's important about that, that owning the content that we have and being able to share it amongst ourselves because that's all it takes is that when they have, you know, we were talking briefly before we got recorded, they have these algorithms that they use for Facebook, Instagram, same stuff that, you know, the buzzwords they look for, recognition in the photos. Uh, they already kind of streamline what you put out to where it's a it's a very small percentage of people who actually who follow you already who who actually see your posts. It's a very small number. It's close to somewhere around ten percent, I imagine. And they they work how they want to work, and they'll funnel you out and they'll silence you silently. Yeah, they, they just I mean, won't show nobody. Yeah. And then when they think that you talk too much. I've been talking for a long time. Welcome to Facebook jail. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been talking for a long time, and I think that it was a matter of time that they was going to finally do what they did. I thought it would come a lot earlier, but I think they were waiting. I've been on the radar. I know that I'm being watched because of my unspoken and outspoken um, dialogue that I bring and my truth and how I walk and how I maneuver. So, I mean, I'm not sitting there telling folks to kill Whitey because I don't think that that's a smart maneuver. I don't even think that – if we were even on that that page, we'd be prepared to get it, get down like that anyway. It's just shit that's going on needs to be spoken on. And until now, until now, our president, Mr. 45, a.k.a. the pussy grabber, has just now finally denounced white supremacy. When yeah, asked before, all oh, the teleprompter. And when you yeah. know he is not genuine, you always can tell by him reading the teleprompter and how it doesn't feel like it's natural when you know he's on point about what he's talking about no teleprompter he's ad-libbing he's kind of spewing what he spews on what he believes but the reality is now what we i find so often unfortunate about what is currently happening we're going to go into deep deeper detail with all the mass shootings because for folks who don't know this is kind of like entering the mass shooting range but let's just kind of go into the censorship of things when folks are speaking upon things that when dialogue that i've had with many individuals not only myself but many people who feel the same way when i've read um my and studied and my ancestors who've kind of helped shape what I am now as a true speaker and a revolutionary builder, white supremacy has always been in the fold of every single mess we've had in America. This is the fabric of America. This is American history, white supremacy, white domestic terrorism. The white terrorists that we have in America are the ones that, for whatever reason, white folks don't want to connect that line with them, with Trump who has incited a lot of the hate rhetoric, the hate groups, the white nationalists to feel more empowered and bolder than they've ever been in the previous years because they were a lot more underground compared to the the last, we could say, seven years being incited by the gratitude of now having a person that has kind of lifted up their ideology, which being our president, as well as the police, a.k.a. the slave patrol, a.k.a. the slave catchers, who have continued to uh, run wild and killing unarmed black people, white nationalists have kind of felt like it's open season once again. We don't have to hide and snatch that Negro, tie him up, and throw him in the back of the truck and put him in the woods and 
be done with them. Now we can kind of openly do our racist acts. So when you have a president that all of a sudden, because we've had three um, horrific mass shootings in a week and a half span, two of them basically being earlier Saturday, um, late Sunday, which will be kind of like late Saturday night for some of us, having these acts of mass terror by white supremacists, the times when the president was asked to kind of denounce it with the Charlottesville situation and other things that kept on ringing up to the president's ear. He never did it. This was a calculated move, not only for the president's base, but for him being reelected because it doesn't make any sense that our president now talks about hate when he just talked about four women of color and talked about them going back home to where they came from. When he allowed his base and didn't say or interject and say, hey, no, that's the wrong thing to say. When they sat there and yelled out and cheered, um, send them back, send them back. He has been one of the major catalysts, though I'm not going to blame Trump because this is America's core. White domestic terrorism is now affecting white people because that's why we're talking about it. White supremacy is now affecting white people. That's why we're talking about it. The fact that he denounces it and the fact that he is the one that said the Mexican immigrants are criminals and rapists. Why the hell do you think some of these uh, uh, mass shootings have been targeted to people of color? It's because of the rhetoric that he used, the ability that he was able to empower. You ain't never denounced any of the white nationalist groups. Any of the white supremacy, you've not done it until now because shit has really hit the fucking fan. Yeah, and he's learning now about what that position really means. He's been running rampant as a president, more so like if you had uh, a four-year-old in a daycare and he was he or she was the only child in the room, and they're just running around, touching all the toys, you know, feeling all the snacks, like just running, just just running amok throughout the room. Well, now all of a sudden the teacher's in the room. <laughs> and and he's learning that the, that that figurehead position as president of the United States is a revolving chair that you will be in it right now and then you will be gone. Because now what we're having is that the conversation with all the mass shooters has to really crack down on gun control. And there's two entities in the United States of America which which take up for so much money and so much influence and so much power. And one of them is guns and the other is drugs. So through groups like the NRA and through the pharmaceutical corporations and all that, guns and drugs are what that's what makes America great. So those are the two two entities that really run things in this nation. And with these mass shootings happening across the country, people are really trying to get cracked down on access to these guns. And that's going to mess with some folks dollars. And so now there has to be a proactive campaign to get ahead of this. And that's why you start hearing them speak. Then somebody then pulled him aside. Somebody, yeah. somebody sat there and said, "Hey, hey, 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 hey. We Do you want to win? Yeah, or, or we're not going to we're not going to allow this conversation to continue as is. So, a get in front of it. B create a villain. C say all the time the Kansas City shovel when they make them look left when we go right. And he came out and he did his, his, you know, quote unquote, due diligence by saying, you know, we're not going to condone this sort of stuff, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, we have addressed the problem. Now we need a villain. 
we're going to address video games that children have access to. Because that's what's making people... We had to create a villain now. And what's going to be the plan of action? Removing video games and violent imagery from the, from access to small children. Now that's the direction. Mental illness, he said, what mental illness... Um, um, it's not the gun that kills, it's mental illness. Yeah, yeah. That he said something to that Something point. to that effect. But you have to create a villain for this. And for right now, the nation believes that the villain are gun makers and people who sell them. The, the people who make them and who sell them are like, nah, son, we're not about to go down this rabbit hole. You better find another villain, to, to a red herring, to, to get these people behind. And, and that's who he went with. He sat there and said, we're going to call it, we're going to charge game. Video games now are why people are violent. Mental health is something he also touched on, right? That people with mental health issues shouldn't have access to guns. Yeah. Wasn't he the same guy that reversed what Obama put into law about, you know, making sure that there's a, a heavy valuation for folks with mental health yeah, issues? Because for the same reason why that's not the enemy. Because when you have all these uh, standards and criteria that, that keep people from purchasing guns, that drops the bottom line that gun makers yeah, make. Exactly. So, but, so I'm saying, so that's why that part was done. Yeah, but and I'm saying, we'll, but that's what I mean. We're saying that, of course, yeah. got it. But again, this is why for those who want to catch on the wave, and because this is what his base will say, the base that are not the extreme white nationalists, but are just um, idiotic misinformed individual that want to pretend and they're black as well right that he's a good president and he's yeah. good for this country and let's be very clear that we really haven't had any real good president for the people we've had good presidents for their agenda and for their base what i'm saying is here is the reasons why this um public cry or this standing up and denouncing a b and c is total bullshit because you created so many things to allow the current situations to be what it is. When I talk about changing and reversing a law by Obama, speaking on the rhetoric just a few weeks ago before some of these mass shootings, you were just basically telling folks to go Americans, <laughs> American women of color, right, to go back to where they came from and then allowed your base to say, well, send them back and have a, 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 a whole bunch of your people, your base, police officers included, start threatening some of those women. Like this is kind of what you've led your people in America to believe that hate is okay now turning around and denouncing it to me is a big fucking joke because had you had been forcefully saying things instead of calling folks like Colin Kaepernick who stood up against police brutality uh, uh, sons of bitches and try to make it was like it was about the flag or when he was calling places like Haiti, my home country, as well as the continent of Africa, uh, shithole places. I mean, all these things create more of what our culture has now become. And it's been a culture of non-accountability and been a, come a culture of ignited hate that just is really moving in such a, a, a pace 
that we are going right back to where we were before. Not saying that we move from it, but the violence of it is now getting back to where we used to read about it. And now it's right in our back, um, you know, back door. Yeah, he's, you know, I, I think everybody's pretty well aware of of the level of feces that comes out of his mouth when he does these types of of, of speeches and conversation. And for the base that wants to believe him because they need to believe him, because, you know, in their minds, he is somebody who represents and speaks for them and that, you know, he's going to make everything OK and he's going to make America great again and everything's going to be all right for me and mine. They all learn the hard way. Well, they are learning the hard way, because when you put things in place to where, uh, you know, and, and, and let's do this, too, because the mental illness thing that, that, that the stable that keeps getting labeled upon. Uh, whenever there's a, a a Caucasian shooter that they have to have that there's a mental illness issue that it's not a gun issue uh, either it's mental illness or it's not and what I mean by that is is that if mental illness is what leads to erratic behavior and an issue with impulse control and an issue to where um, you lose sight of reality and consequence and you can go out and shoot massive amounts of people because you don't see your brain is not connecting that they're humans or your brain is not connecting that there's consequences or you're just quote unquote not in your right mind and, and something happens if we're saying that it is that prevalent in this country that that's what leads to mass shooting why don't we ever say that that that's what's prevalent when it comes to non-white people when it pertains to not complying with law enforcement why is that never an issue when it pertains to non-white people, when it pertains to violence in, in said communities? Why is it not an issue when it pertains to to crimes and issues and in, in, in situations that go across? Like if we have this huge mental illness issue, then everybody's got it and we should blanket it for everything. What but, was go ahead, go ahead, your piece. But if we're saying that people commit crimes because they're criminals. And we're saying that we're going to incarcerate people because they knew better and they chose to do what they wanted to do for whatever gain that they wanted to gain. Then we need to make that uniform, too. And every time if we're going to say that these, we're going to block up these black and brown people because they knew what they was doing. They was in gangs. They were shooting. They were they was completely aware. They robbed this person and it led to a homicide. They was all in their right mind. Now we need to lock them up. Uh, these white boys out here shooting is in their right mind too. Or if we're going to sit there and say that these these white dudes are suffering from mental illness, then we need to address all those black and brown people and look at their mental wellness as well. Well, I, I mean, I, you know, everything you're saying is right on, but let's look into it, you know, in every situation, you know, that has been, right? You know, the, the unfortunate part about America, you know, when you look at it from a number standpoint, right? You look at it there's what 217 days so far and from you know what we're gathering from different informational sources they're saying there's been 251 mass shootings right and the most majority we don't we don't know the majority of the shootings if they were um hate crimes um just things that happened at the workplace or at the schools we don't know those statistics but we do know that a majority of the mass shootings meaning four or more people you know being killed, hurt, injured, whatever, is we're at the 251 mark. I mean, there's been some other reports that it could be maybe higher, but let's stick with 217, 250, 255, right? Okay. 
Now, let's look at 2019 so far. Two, police have killed 519 people, right? So when, we, when we're looking at all of the things that could spawn besides the hate rhetoric, um, besides us allowing and even, you know, here being in the city of Sacramento, giving a, a hate group um, a permit uh, a permit to spew their hatred and have a rally that, that totally went um, chaotic at the, the at the Capitol. When you look at what's happening right now, currently, why are they not denouncing domestic white terrorism? White supremacy, because then you would have to start denouncing and you'd have to come to grips with acknowledging that police brutality, police terror against the black community is a real thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't run away from that controversy because just as much as we want to pretend that these um, white guys are seeking some validation because of a majority of these uh, mass shootings have been white domestic terrorists. Some of them have been people of color. Some of them have. Not short, but few. There was one in Virginia that was a black disgruntled um, worker, but he was shooting because he probably got done wrong by the job and he was taking revenge. Those things have happened. But now in the last recent shootings, you've heard, you know, these guys having issues with people of color. And we also know that our police currently, oh shit, fuck it, not currently, throughout history have had a problem with people of color and one of the hugest issues that we've been dealing with besides now white domestic terrorism has been police brutality and police terror against people of color aka black people now we have to look at all these things like wow because when I if I was a person being a white domestic terrorist is mine I'm looking what the police are doing. I'm seeing that they're not getting rep they're not nearly getting reprimanded. They're not being held accountable. They're being sought out as heroes. They're pretty much doing the work of cleaning America as they would like to say making America great again. Why not be uh, f uh feeling more uh vindicated when you do what you feel that you need to do to make America great again? I don't see how these two things are not connected. White domestic terrorism and police brutality, police terror is all the same kind of idea of white supremacy. The victims might be different, but it's all the same thing. And I feel that the reason why we've not wanted to, well, not, should I say, not us, but folks outside of those who are watching this whole shit and like, okay, so what's the problem? Because Negroes have been getting lynched. Negroes have been understanding the threat of white males from beginning. Whether it's policies or gunning us down, they've been going after the black man and woman. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's it's We have been victimized and been terrorized by white people from the beginning of our history. So white domestic terrorism is no new thing to us. But the reality now is because it's affecting more than just people of color, it has now become a thing. I think that if you can't tie them together and look at them as naturally two problems that exist that meet the same end, you're not really going to ever change anything. If I am a child watching someone do something 
I may think it's cool and then I do it and hey, I get consequences. I'm going to turn around and say, well, why don't they get consequences? And there has not been any consequences for those people that have barely broken the law. And then when you look at how a majority of these white domestic terrorists are treated, most of them are able to see their day in court. A black man, a black woman unarmed, whether they're going after their license, whether they're selling a CD, whether they're selling water, cigarettes, we're brutalized, killed, whether it's a traffic stop, we're killed. And we're being told that the person feared for their life, but you have a guy going into Walmart, walking into Walmart with a freaking AK-47 ready for war. And a black man who goes in who has a water gun and gets killed in Walmart. And here is this white guy able to kill 20, injure 26, and he's took him safely into custody. You have to ask yourself, what the fuck are we doing here in America when both of these things simulate the same fucking result? That this white privilege continues to be mirrored. So white tears about what's going on because it's your precious America. It's been going on. The frustration for me is now we want to start talking about it because it's affecting white people. Uh, well, I think that well, there's a lot in there. And <laughs> oh, man, I'm, I'm just I just it's just it's just it just it, it, it Dylan Roof kills nine black people. He gets Burger King. You know what I'm saying? When is the FBI going to start an investigation for these white domestic terrorist cults? When will they stop looking at the so-called black identity extremists who they sat there and pretended to be the threat to America when the biggest threat to America is white males? From the age 18 to 60, that is the biggest threat to America. It's always been white males. Now, it's just a little bit deeper because the white males have now reverted back to their old killings and have kind of, you know, they've simplified the systematic approach. But it's all the same shit. Well, I think the the, the big thing systemically is, is that the reason why there's no... Um white domestic terrorists as a label and why there's no investigation of them as a group because I think to white people there's no white domestic terrorists the same way black people feel there's no such thing as black on black crime like I think that they probably have the same energy because in order for them to be white domestic terrorists the terrorists have to be the outside faction they have to be the outside group and I think for them, they don't feel that way, that they are the dominant culture. So anything they do is just what happens within the group, the same way that we say there's stuff like no black on black crime, because we just say that those are crimes of, of uh, passion and proximity, that they're not actually race related. I think that we've got this country has a long history of, of being violent and really just being violent and doing what you want to do and there's a system that favors a certain group to kind of do that more so than others and that's why that group would never label themselves as the same as the other groups that it goes after i think that that's not something that we're speaking on on in in large or speaking on enough 
because the people who would have to acknowledge it are the same people who benefit from its existence. So I think that we don't hear that type of energy use it at when there's white shooters because that's just a white shooter. That's not a domestic terrorist. Like I said, I think it's viewed the same way as that we look at, you know, the the, the misnomer that is black on black crime. Oh, uh, that that I don't subscribe to any of that. I don't describe any of that. You know, um, as I am playfully say and not trying to, you know, take away um, the significance of what's going on. I say, well, you know, the white on white crime is on the rise. And the thing about it that that I don't want to have the ha ha I told you moment because there's been myself and plenty of other people before me and plenty of people currently that have been speaking on white supremacy, white domestic terrorism, have talked about white males being the biggest threat to American liberation, freedom um, and democracy because in every shadow, whether it's whether it's pedophilia, whether it's um, corruption within um, politics or um, policing or even in business, right? Whether it's cheating scandals, right? Whether it's racist rhetoric, systematic institutional racism that has spread in our country like a disease or should I say has been a disease that has never been treated. White people have been the forefathers of all of it. And I think that just now in 2019, where you have the pedophilia rings, where you have the cheating scandal rings to get into college, where you have, again, the continuation of police brutality, where you have, oh, not only police brutality, but the um, sexual abuse and sex trafficking of police, when you have a president that won't denounce any white nationalist, white supremacy until he's been pushed to the wall to say you better have you have to say something. You have to say something. Where you have all of this, now we're at our ends to where we want to go ahead and put a finger on what the actual source is. The source is white supremacy and white people have to change their evil ways. White people have to check white people. White athletes have to start talking. White actors have to start talking. I'm talking about the prominent ones. I'm talking about the ones that align themselves with their privilege, the ones that are validated, the ones that are continuously empowered by um, the dominant society of white folks that continue to, to leverage this kind of fear. Because here all I see changing. There might be a few policy changes with gun laws that will affect people of color. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It ain't going to affect white folk because here's my thing. When 9-11 happened, it was allegedly an attack on American soul by who? They said Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda, right? Which was total bogus because um, if you really do your research, you could know that America played a, a heavy hand in the conspiracy. But we're not going to go there today. Now. What was one of the major things that changed from that attack by from foreigners to American soul? What was one of the major things that changed? Airports. Now, 
we are subjected to have some of the most embarrassing moments in an airport in front of people. If you don't want to do that, you can go ahead and go to the back room. And majority of us don't do that because we're trying to catch a flight. Everything changed on 9-11 when it comes to boarding a plane. Why isn't it that much of a sense of urgency when it comes to these mass shootings? What more do you need to see that you have to change something besides taking innocent people and subjecting us as if we're all the mad bombers going on airplanes that you regulate something? But the NRA is such a powerful uh, entity as well as this idea for the Second Amendment, which I understand. And I'm not saying that folks should not have their own guns. Yes, you should have your own weapons. But there has to be something that does something that can affect some kind of change because it doesn't seem like it's coming anywhere anytime soon. No, I mean, you had one of the shooters had a hundred round drum, which was bought legally. You know, you had the shooter who was at the, uh, the the Gilroy shooting, the Garlic Festival. He went across the state lines in Nevada and purchased his gun legally. Yeah. Uh, these aren't questions of people being criminals who are going to get them. They're just, you know, walk into your local gun store, your gun knife and coin show, your, your whatever, and you can get your hands on damn near anything you want. And I mean, because we are tagged as suspects, thugs, killers, violent black people. And a white person is tagged by mental illness, uh, had a little bit of a screwy past, some, some emotional things, right? Nah, he couldn't. I mean, you got all these people calling the police on black people <laughs> for barbecuing and, 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 and just being at their apartment. And you have all these weird old white boys just moving around, navigating, killing up shit. Shit is crazy to me, dog. Yeah. I mean, I think just the reality of it is, I, I think the reason why there's not, a, for you, for there really to be an outcry that really moves the needle, rich white people need to be shot up. Yeah, they got to be By a homegrown, they gotta be clean cut, yep. well-to-do yep. white person. They have to be killed. It can't be, they can't be poor, they, they can't be first generation you know, sons or daughters of immigrants. No. It's got to be the Harvard graduate. It got to be a who, Brad Pitt looking motherfucker getting shot. Open fire at, at, at a Yale campus, <laughs> knocking out you know prominent sons and daughters yes. of major movers and yes. shakers in this country. Because, like I said, I think the biggest thing is I think what, what, we, what we see play out all the time is that these these domestic terrorists are still not really hitting the bottom line that matters. And as much as as cold as it seems is that you're not phrasing is bad, but you're not killing the right people enough to move to change policy and and to move things. Guy walked in at Orlando nightclub, open fire. Not enough. People shooting up elementary schools. Not Not enough. enough. Open fire at food festivals. Not Not enough. enough. Wide open free for all at a concert. Not Not enough. enough. Like these are it's not what you're doing. It's not the idea. A mass shooter in itself is not enough for America to change. Well, the thing about it that's that's frustrating, right, is connecting mass shootings to online hatred, right, is one thing. But most, again, let me stop. Some of us have been calling this shit, same shit out for years. 
with that being said, it's not enough that literally we've gone from schools to movies to uh, uh, grocery stores to waffle houses to bars um, to synagogues to WalMarts, right? Yeah. To to parks to malls. We've gone all over the spectrum um, to naval bases to show and identify college campuses where mass shooting occurs and when it can occur. And I think that we've we've done enough research on who the possible mass shooters are, as well as when you know, because I, I, I work in my community and I know how much police identify possible suspects by paying attention to their online um, rants, online posts, yeah. whatever these people put and are able to draw a case from them from just their online presence. Nothing that they've done but the online presence. And you're telling me that the FBI, police or whoever, the government who was watching a lot of us who are a lot, uh, are considered to be black and identity extremists because we speak yeah. truth, right? That you're not paying attention to these online white hate groups that have initiated, have been able to with the the puppet that they have as our president and presidents before that were more policy based and this president being more bold faced with his, his rhetoric of, of racism and hate that you guys aren't paying attention. The fact that we have these killers doing what they do and law enforcement is not killing them on the spot. No, and they wouldn't. Because here's the thing, fundamentally, a white person shooting a bunch of people will not move the needle. A black or brown person shooting a bunch of people will, move will the needle. which is why it, if, if I'm looking at policy and where my resources need to be, I can have 75 white mass shooters in the course of a year and we can justify and rationalize how that happened. And then you have the dominant culture who represents the shooter who will take sympathy because they can see something in themselves in the individual because you don't want to look at the person who looks like your son or looks like your father, looks uh -huh. like your brother and think all these horrific things about them. So you can find a, a rationalization, not for all, but for, but for enough when it comes to a black or brown person doing it. You, it's very easy to demonize yes. and to vilify them. So if you truly had an onset of, of Muslim terrorists in yes. America, it would be all kind of craziness. Policies would change across the board. The fact is that they create with the 9-11 issue, they changed airport security. They made people who were non-qualified, they made them federal agents to work TSA yeah. and be in charge of, because it was when the fear safe campaign was rolled out who are we fearful of we're fearful of people who represent this and, and people and and you know americans are slow in a lot of recognition they couldn't most couldn't tell the difference between somebody middle eastern somebody indian whatever uh you can be uh, south american and all of a sudden they they think that that you, you from a certain region and all of a sudden we had campaigns and and policy changes and on a federal level because it was a brown person who was the villain. If, Real quick. What do you think would have happened if it was a brown person on that Saturday instead of a white person that went into a um, 
Macy's and shot up a whole bunch of white people because they said they are tired of the wall rhetoric. What do you think would happen? Then what you would do is then that would double down on the funding for the wall. That would double down on immigration from specific countries. You would literally get policy change. That's what I'm saying. A grocery list of white shooters does not change policy. Yeah. Enough black. There's the issue. But that tells you the problem that we're talking about. Exactly. But that's why you had the issue when you had the the Black Panther Party who started walking around. They changed legislation because of them. Because it was black men walking around. Yeah, they're like, oh, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. We've been walking around with pistols on our hips for 200 years. You know, and didn't think nothing of it. Oh, y'all decide y'all want to start walking around carrying? Hell no. Nah, no carry, no concealed laws. No, <laughs> can't walk around with a loaded weapon. Can't do this, that, and that. They started changing all kind of policies as soon as black people started doing it. And that will be the case. If you had, you can have 80 white mass shooters in a year and they're not white domestic terrorists because they play for the home team. The same reason why terrorism is a word we use here. And when you use it in other countries, like in Middle Eastern countries, they refer to terrorists as outside factions. Not the home team. These are people. These are groups, entities that that are going against the grain of the norm. You know, uh, and then that's what we refer to as terrorists. But but these guys play for the home team. So they're not terrorists because they re- they rep the same jersey. They rep the same jersey. So when it comes to if you really policy change, it, it, as soon as you truly see the threat that they keep trying to propagate, as soon as you truly see a bunch of Latinos involved in massive massive shoot, <laughs> bunch of bunch of that sounds stupid to say. As soon as you see a bunch of uh, as soon as Juan Miguel Jorge and Javier put down. You know, whatever they was currently doing and, and start picking up AKs, then you won't see a move to gun control. You'll see the higher push to immigration. Yeah. As soon as you see a bunch of black people picking up guns and really becoming mass shooters on a major level, you will not see a movement to gun control. What you'll start seeing is, is the stipulations to get a gun will be a little bit harder. Yeah. And you'll start seeing stuff like specific misdemeanors. Because just like we were talking originally, the algorithms when it goes to Facebook and Instagram, there are patterns of behavior culturally. Yeah. So you can start sitting there saying, okay, well, what what's more likely or than not to be in this ethnicity's history? And that will be the criteria I use to keep them from getting firearms. I don't hear not one thing that you said that was untrue. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, the, the shit is so plain. The unfortunate part is, is this going to um, be solved by love? No, because even if we had a revert of, should I say, the power changed and it was black people in power and it was white people not in power. And I'm not just talking about having a a black president. I'm just talking about actual influence. Influence. Everything was reversed. Right. Mm -hmm. Everything got flipped. It was like finally our time. And it was like, oh, shit. Right. You would see. A civil war like no other, right? Because a lot of what's happening right now is white folks gearing up for that moment. Um, they have basically said that they don't mind killing whoever because babies were killed. It wasn't yeah. that they picked a pack of adults and even the sense care. of, well, I'm just going to go attack black people or I'm going to go attack Latinos. Or I'm going to attack Asians. They're like, okay, well, I think there's a majority of whoever's there. I'm just going to go, I'm not going to pick and choose, I'm just going to start shooting. And then in a Gilroy case uh, of the shooting that happened a few weeks ago now, the shooter killed himself. 
It was reported that the police killed him, but no, he killed himself. And in the cases, although I don't know if the Ohio one, was he... Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not too sure about that, if he's alive or not. But he also killed his sister. Um, and of course, in the one where um, in Texas, El Paso, Texas, you have him killing 20 um, individuals. And shots out to um, Glenn Oakley, I believe, that... Uh, stood up black man that stood up and tried to save as many individuals as he possibly could. He didn't run from danger. Kind of reminds me of what I probably would do in that situation. I don't think that I would just run, run. I would be in a situation of, wait, let me find, make sure I'm safe and try to get folks out of there. Um, I think that whole idea that you just take flight and leave others to kind of figure it out. I just don't feel my heart is pumped like that. Even though in the moment it would be totally fucking chaotic. But in the same sense, it's like, shit, if I run that way, I might get hit. I'm going to be trying to figure out a way to get at the shooter or be able to get people up out of there. You have this guy, and I'm going to talk about it one more time, who killed 20 people, injured 26 people, and he was arrested without incident. And you have to remember, there is a majority of these white men sitting in someone's, I don't know, jail, rehabilitation center. Where the fuck do they put these guys? Jail. Are they really in jail? Do we really know that? I, you know what I mean? I, I don't really, I, I don't trust it because I feel so much of this is all done by design. I, I feel... That this is some type of uh, 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 thing that the I, maybe the government is a, a part of it. I don't know because it just doesn't make any sense to okay. me that all of this, especially the last three, they compiled it. It was done. It was almost like they were all connected in a way where they were being able to conversate about the certain things they were going to do. I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, for most of these things, they're not reactionary. These are things that have been put in place with, with a 15, 20, 25, 30-year plan. So is, am I in a position that I don't have faith in this country enough to believe that there's not a room full of people who are saying, okay, we've got a certain percentage that we're willing to sacrifice for their quote-unquote greater good for whatever the plan is. All right, we're going to let this mass shooting thing happen, put some plans in place, do this, that, and whatever for a 10-year you know, little stint. And then we, that will give us you know, an opportunity to do this, this, and this over here. I, th there's no part of me that believes that does not believe that this country would do that. So is there on the conspiracy side, could it be happening? Yeah. Uh, I think that something that, that's real is, that you're touching on is like the way that this, you know, they're talking about, you know, if, if it were, was reversed, there'd been a, a civil war off top. I think that there's a lot of issues where where black and white people have a, a problem is because there are a lot of white people who, looking at America's history, could not fathom still living next door to and wanting to hang out with the people who did them so dirty. Huh. Like, like I remember talking to this older white guy years ago. He said, I just don't even understand black people. He's like, what, all the stuff that, that black people went through, they were expecting the shoe to drop. Like coming out of the civil rights era, all this stuff, it was like all the stuff that's been done to y'all and y'all just are okay? For real. Like y'all all right? Because there's no way in hell white people would do that. If there was ever, they would either die on the streets 
or or try to pull that three hundred move from Spartan and and, <laughs> and, 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 and and try to make it do what it do. But they're not just going to take that L and then just move next door to the person who was lynching and burning and killing nah. and robbing and, and all that stuff. And I think on a couple of levels, you know, as much as everybody tries to paint the picture that we're just these violent, horrific animals, we are so loving in nature and accepting of everybody else. And I think white people overachieved. I think through all the the systemic issues and problems that have existed in this country and in other countries where uh, you're just brutalizing human beings and you've done so much transgenerational scarring that I think they overachieved. Yeah. I think that they wanted to keep, you know, Africans in this country docile enough to be manipulated and to be worked and to be moved and that it would be something that could carry over generationally. Once they took the reins off, you know, the physical ones, the job is still being done. Yeah. And there's and they're still expecting the behavior of somebody who does not have that trauma. And it's just not there. Yeah. So when you say how does this stuff change systemically? Biology. For the same stuff that they're worried about, this is the first time this past year that, that their birth rate did not exceed their, their death rate and why they've been so fearful, this, this, this sect of the population worried about interracial dating and immigration and all this because America will eventually be what America is. We like to separate the United States of America, but South America, Central America and North America are, are brown continents. Mm. We we try to we try to in America we try to teach that, that America is a white nation. Americas are brown continents, yeah. and biology is coming. So you, so you believe that this could be a form of of population control? And I think what it is is that you, you have to start, your end game. So if you realize right now something that you've been that the math has been telling you for years, you are going to be eliminated as the dominant culture mathematically. Now you still have influence for some time to come even though you lose the numbers. Your end game is the, they already hit the end game button. So it, it, all those the Rubicon the point of no return they already passed it. So whatever the But wouldn't you just kill all of mm -mm, the people of color? No, that's what you're looking at the long game. What is it that's down the road that you're trying to justify with this? So if you're saying you have the issues here, you're not naming. Notice, you're not saying guns are not the problem. That they don't use the phrase white domestic terrorists. White males are not the problem. They're finding these other things that are the problems. Because if you're saying that guns in America that are made here and sold in America are the problem, that's an A to B. Mm -hmm. Quit making them, quit selling them, making them harder to get to. If you're saying that white domestic terrorists are the issue, then you start dealing with them and that lowers your number even more. You have to make the issue something else. And when you make the issue something else, like you start with Middle Eastern, you start banning them, not allowing them in the country. You say the immigration is, is for coming from the South. So you start not only not letting new brown people in, but you start sending out the ones that are here. Yeah. Then you start saying that, well, the issue is black on black crime. All right, well, let's do mass incarceration moves to get rid of black people. As long as we keep playing this shell game where we keep saying that yeah. the problem is somebody else, I'm sure there's another end game thing down the road. Mm. That, that that this is this is what we're looking at right now. We may be in the third quarter mm. because it, I think the projection is 2050 or 2055 before the United States at its current rate is a is a is a brown country. Mm. You start referring to it like Mexico or Puerto Rico. This these are the years right now 
to to make it happen in the fourth. That's gonna be hostile. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. I've I've already I've predicted it. I remember when they interviewed me in 2015, um, CBS News locally here, and um, they were talking about the whole controversy with the police brutality and everything else on that nature. And I told them that you know what, eventually this is gonna turn out to be some kind of um, civil war, and um, as well as a race war. You know, and this situation. It really comes down to survival of the fittest. We are in numbers not even close to the number of mass shootings that have happened um, last year and the year uh, before that. So this idea that we've had a lot more um, compared to other years, if mass shootings stop right now, this would be kind of like the lowest number it's been in a while, right? But we've had... 300 plus mass um, shootings per year in the last two or three years. And I believe 251 will get to that 300. We're only in the first week of August. And so there's a lot of road. Exactly. Now. A lot of road. And you got, um, you know, you got the the, 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 the election coming up in 2020. Holiday season. Holiday. All it's all type of different things that going to end up happening. But for us to kind of pretend that the connections are not mass shootings with white domestic terrorists, mass shootings with white supremacy, mass shootings um, a part of a, a, a skewed population control, mass shootings a part of a fear agenda, mass shooting a part of a gun control agenda, mass shooting a part of a, um, well, let's make stricter, stricter gun laws, but let's kind of focus on those people as the people that we're going to create the stricter gun laws mass shootings as a part of hate crimes these are all things as part of police terror these are all things that we have to line all up and until America starts reevaluating how the biases of black people throughout history aren't the same biases of anyone else, especially white folks, that when you start looking at it, if I was a person that wanted to be uh, biased about individuals, I would start running down a more nerdy looking white guy and start checking them um, in the grocery line before they can get to their car to do whatever they're going to do. I would start saying to them, hey, I don't want you in my place of business because these are the kind of things that have been done to black people. The kind of stereotypes that have been put on black people, even if I have not done something, a black person has done something and it's been put a label on me. Now, if we turned around and reversed that and did that to white people, there would be another major conversation. And if we continue to censor individuals that are telling you the truth, when Farrakhan was being censored or being banned and even some of the white nationalists, I knew that. Okay, well, that opens the door for anybody that speaks any clarity of reality. And I think that because so many of us have sat there and been a, uh, unafraid to speak truth to power about white supremacy, we're now having a conversation. And now we're looking at white domestic terrorism as something real. The biggest threat in America has always been white males from beginning to end because their bloodthirst to keep power and stay dominant and to not move in the position will keep them in line to do whatever is possible for them to not feel a bit of uncomfort 
for them to continue to keep their privilege. Why wouldn't it not be white males? Everybody else is still striving to try to get to that tip of the iceberg that they're at. So why would it be us? The whole barrage has always been everybody else is bad and the purity of white people is good. And what we're finding out more so often, some of those who believe that when blacks assimilate to white people, we're assimilating to greatness. We're believing in some white Jesus idea, some ideology that is false, is untrue. Hopefully black people start understanding and realizing we don't need to be nothing like them. I've never seen a people that have it all that still continue to pretend like they don't have anything. It's black people that continue to strive after all of the things that we've been stripped from, been the most resilient. We're still striving to be who we need to be. And unfortunately, many of us are striving to be like white people. <laughs> and I hope that when you hear this and you look at all the things just in 2019 from pedophilia, let me go rewind it, pedophilia, school scandals, police terror and sexual assault, government corruption and hatred from the Oval Office and other delegates around America that hold some place of government that you see the true reality of what white people are and what have they become when they have this much power. So we as black people can say, that's not what I want to be because we will be cursed to do the same exact thing as our forefathers and understand that no democracy could ever be as long as white males are in power. I take it a very powerful word there from uh, Mr. Barry Axius. You think that was powerful? I think so. <laughs> For more riveting conversation like this and these points, where can folks find you? Oh, right now, you know, the Free Barry Axis campaign on Facebook is still in effect. You know, so, you know, send your cards, your love, inbox me, Barry Axis, Facebook, IG Barry Axis, Twitter Barry Axis. I've been off IG, uh, Twitter for a little bit. I'm going to have to go ahead and re-announce myself since I've been barred from Facebook. Uh, Jermaine Morris on Facebook. Uh, every other social media platform is at CEO. And BlackBlueprints.com with a Z. And BlackBlueprints.com with a Z. This has been the Say Something Podcast. And until next episode, yes, sir. we will holler at you later. Holler.